Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. Come on, we want to welcome her at our Ashland and our Grayson campus. Come on, Moorhead. Can we get for our Ashland and our Grayson campus? Man, we love you guys so much. And this is a very special day. It is Father's Day, and we have some great things in store for you all. We got some great dads that are gonna come up and speak just in a moment and pour into our hearts, just like we did on Mother's Day, and find a few dads that come up and talk. But before we jump into that, I was reading an article this week, and the article really just kind of broke my heart. And I started reading it, and basically it says, today there are 18.5 million children today, right now, are being raised up without a father without a, a guy, without a dad in their life. And I'm gonna be honest with you, every kid on the planet needs a dad. Every single kid, whether they're a biological dad or you have stepped in and helped be a, a model in their life, a male role in their life, every kid on the planet needs a dad. And because of the 18.5 million children right now in our country, here in America, does not have any dad. You know what that means? That puts us, the United States, that we live in this wonderful free country, that puts us at the top. We are the number one fatherless country in the world. With all the prosperity, with all the freedom, with everything that we have here, with all the blessings that we have, we are the number one fatherless country in the world. Like, it's great to lead the world in some things, that's one that's not. And so we need to do something about that. Being a dad is the greatest title I ever have in my life. I have so many titles, and, but being a dad is my, one of my top favorite titles on the planet. And so I wanna encourage you today, some of you, uh, some of you had great dads, some of you had absent dads, and some of you all in between. And so I wanna encourage you as we think about that, if, if you're the enemy and you know that God has set this institution up with the family, and I'm gonna be honest with you, God has called the dads to lead the family. If you know that and you're the enemy, what are you gonna attack? And listen to me, dads are been, have been under attack and they will continue to be under attack and we can see this play out over and over and over. But today, I wanna encourage you. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. You no longer have to say, well, my grandpa was this way or my dad was that way and that's just how I am. You can break the family curse. You can break the generational curse. You can change your generation. And listen to me, guys, it's never too late. It's never too late to learn and start being a dad. Even if you were a bad dad or an absent dad or all in between when your kid was growing up, it's time for us to step up and be the dad that God called us to be. And so I know all type of emotions are invoked on Father's Day as, as is on Mother's Day, but today we're here to lift you up. Today we're here to encourage you. You know, usually when you go to a service sometimes on Mother's Day, we, we lift up moms, we bless them because come on, where would we be without moms, right? We love moms. But then on Father's Day, we beat the dads up. Well, we're not here to beat you up. We're here to encourage you and lift you up so that you can be the best dad that you can be. And I will be really honest with you, there's no such thing as a perfect dad. There's no such thing as a perfect dad whatsoever. And so you, when we think about that, we, we, can't, we can't strive for perfection, but we can be the best that we can be. And with the Holy Spirit, dad, in your life, and I will be honest, we can't be the dads that God's called us to be, with be without first experiencing the unconditional love from Christ, having all of our sins forgiven, and being loved by him. And when we know that, man, we can lead and love our families the way that God wants to lead and love our families. And so I wanna encourage you today that you just open up your heart. Listen, because we got some great guys coming. These men, I highly respect them. I love them. They, they, they've been around for a long time. They speak it to my life. And I'm so excited today to welcome to the stage these great dads. So come on, would you welcome to the stage with me, Brad and Eddie and Josh. Come on, guys, you can make your way up here to the stage. They come from all different backgrounds, and, and uh, you're gonna hear about that. 
And so I'm really super excited for these men to be able to share with you their journey. Uh, it's not a perfect journey, we all know that, but some things that God has done in their life, I'm gonna hope and encourage that he inspires you and encourage you today. So, so good to see you guys. Thank you for jumping in and, and being part of the dad panel today. And so thank you all. And so what we're gonna do is just really quick, do a quick introduction. We have a picture of their family as well. We're gonna put it up. They're gonna tell you a little bit of this real quick, who they are and how they heard about Better Life Church and how long they've been attending here. So Brad, we're gonna start with you, bro. So we've been here since the beginning. From the beginning, from the beginning, he was one of our core members and they, he's still here. Won. Yes, yes. Yeah, so um, I knew Adam Eldridge and longtime friend, and he said, hey, we're starting something new, starting a church, wanna come check it out. So this is, I think, July of uh, 20, uh, 2007. Yep. And um, so we, we got involved and we started meeting in the little office down there and uh, the rest is history. So, I mean, that was really it and um, so thankful to, to be involved. Um, I'm a pharmacist by training. Um, pretty busy. I don't work in a pharmacy now. I work for, a, for another company, but... Uh, every time I get like a runny nose, I call him all the time and say, Brad, what medicine do I got to take? How do I fix this? And then I was like, Brad, just tell me what I need to go do. So anyway, so he's, he helps me with that too. So, so. so, so that's, that's, that's a little bit about me, my family. Uh, you know, can't get, ever get a family picture, it seems. Um, so it's just me and the boys, but um, we have uh, my wife and I, and we have two kids, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, we, just, uh, we just lost my, my fur baby uh, of 13 years. He was almost the whole time we've been at the church, so I don't want to start crying about that. But um, anyway, that, that's a little bit about our family. Was, Dexter was uh, the church mascot, right? He, He's he the was, number one fan. So. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what they do. And um, so a little bit of a somber Father's Day for me, but... Uh, but really thankful for the time we had. Yeah, and Brad is also an elder here at Better Life Church, so he's my boss, so I have to be on my best behavior around here. So anyway, uh, and so Josh, come on, share a little bit. How, when you started coming to Better Life Church, it's a little bit about your background. Yeah, and so I, um, <laughs> funny, so I was working at a local sporting goods store, and um, Pastor Daniel come in the shop, and as he does, right, he wanted to talk about God, talk about church, and so um, started coming that, that Sunday, literally, it was like three days later, um, and so we've been here 14 years, almost from the jump. Yeah. We we're a few months in, but uh, been here 14 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, and yeah, and so I'm a, I'm a PA by training, and we can talk about that later if anybody wants to know what that is, but I'm a PA by training, and um, you know, my wife, I don't know if the picture's up, my, my lovely wife, Morgan, we've got three kids, uh, two sons, Maddox Miles, 13 and eight, and then a five-month-old little girl who's the most perfect child ever. The little girl's Margaret. gonna ruin you, man. Uh, uh, she's, the boys uh, already know they're second-class citizens, but she's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, she's incredible. My boat always says you gotta have like one credit card per child, but 10 for the girl. So you gotta have 10 <laughs> there, for her. So go. we're hoping to uh, see how that works out. Already dropping some wisdom. There we go. <laughs> and this is Eddie. Eddie, share a little bit of your story real quick. Okay, yeah. we've been uh, coming to Better Life Church since uh, 2009. Our daughter Carrie uh, was in college, uh, went to a weighted series, uh, got saved here, started serving here. Uh, they brought me and the wife here, and uh, we started coming and serving ever since. And we have three wonderful children, four grandchildren, and uh, just uh, we just love you know the church and uh, you know being a part of serving here and. And we love each and every one of you all here too. You know, that's, that's made uh, Better Life Church your family. 
and, and he's also an elder here at Better Life Church, an overseer, and uh, what's funny about it, because daughter came to one of our s services, and she gave her life to the Lord, and, and him and Robin said, we gotta go find out what's going on at this place, you know, if he, when he came down to the beginning, we was meeting at the conference center, and they've been hooked ever since, and also he, uh, he's a great project manager by construction by trade, and Eddie is the one who oversaw the entire construction project here at Barrel Life Church as well, so really thankful for his service and everything that he did. And so, you no, know, a lot of us, like for me, um, you know, I, I wasn't raised in church, and my mom and dad got divorced when I was young, when I was four years old, and, and so um, I knew about God and knew a little bit about church, but really didn't have a dad in my life to talk to me, the importance of like going to church, being part of that as well, and a lot of you went through the same thing. You wasn't raised in church either, or, or maybe your parents got divorced when you were at a, a young age, and it was just every now and then you got a chance to see them. But Brad, I know one thing about you and your family, especially your parents, you know, they really instilled in you as even a young kid, even though you weren't a perfect kid, even as a young kid, about the importance of being in church. So we, two different backgrounds, but share a little bit about that heritage that was poured into your life. Yeah, so from day one, we went to church. Uh, church on Sunday, church Sunday night, uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting, um, Bible school, you know, you go to church camp, but I mean, we were in church a lot. And, um, you know, it was really something that we, we valued, we prioritized, and, um, you know, all the way through. And, you know, as you get older, you get into college, um, you may make mistakes. You know, you're not, you're not perfect. Um, but that value they instill in you, the prioritization, the reading of your Bible, um, getting into the Word, I mean, all that is just so important because I can't imagine living my life um, without that to turn to. You know, life is hard, you know, and without that, it's even harder. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when I was in college, uh, you know, your parents don't know what all is going on in your life, but they can sense it. Um, and, you know, as, as happens, you know, in college, may not have been doing everything exactly as they, as they wanted. And I remember my dad going to the altar, uh, weeping, and, you know, you're like, what is he, what's he upset about? What, what's going on there? And I just, you know, he's probably about me. He's probably praying for me. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it, that sticks with me. Even now, uh, 20 years later, that sticks with me that my dad cared enough about my relationship with the Lord that he was going to the altar begging God to draw me close in a time that dad, my dad could sense that I wasn't doing what, he, what I needed to be doing. Mm. Um, and so even in the moment when that was happening, it impresses on you, I need to, I need to change what I'm doing. Um, and now it's on me. Now it's on the flip, the, the script has flipped and now it's on me and I think about my kids, what, you know, my kids are just six. You know, when they're in high school and they're in college, Am I going to be begging for them as well? And so you're already praying for them as they get older. Um, so I, it's, it's immeasurable the impact that having a godly father has on you. Um, and you want to then do that for your kids. Mm. Because as you spoke in the lead in, how important this is and the things we see going on in society and, and how much of this is attributed back to not having a strong father figure, first of all but then one who's in church even more so. Mm. So it, it, it was huge impact on my life. Mm. I know Josh, yours is a little bit different too and sort of a little bit like mine as well, but uh, I, I know you've shared your story with me too about your past and things. So share a little bit about your upbringing. 
Yeah. Um, so for me, I've never met my father. Um, and so, um, you know, raised by a single mother, she crushed it. Good job. But, um, but yeah, you know, never had that direct father influence like in the home that you see all the time. And so um, didn't really get into church, wasn't involved in church, kind of went here and there. Um, and then as a teenager, you know, kind of started getting involved with youth and going a little more, but really didn't find Christ until later into my adult life. Um, and so, you know, as, as you were speaking about kind of the um, influence of a godly father, like it, you really learn to, you have to be kind of a godly advocate for your family and, and uh, you know, learning to do that. And, and uh, it, that can be difficult when you don't have that direct example, right? And so you uh, try your best to uh, pursue godly influence and, um, you know, such that you can learn from those folks. Um, but yeah, I grew up, um, you know, single mom, uh, didn't have that male influence in the family, be it extended family or directly in the home. And so really came uh, later from family, friends, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's one of those, you're kind of learning on the fly, if you will, right? You know, you, you kind of have those examples to lean into. And it's one of those where you're trying to learn um, as you go and, and probably make more mistakes than you should, but, you know, trying to, trying to grow from those. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just trying to find those influences along the way as you're going along. So let me step back and push in a little bit more on it. So some of the guys who eventually came into your life um, were they uh, friends, family, uh, uncles, aunt, uncles, or just godly people gotcha. in your life you looked up to? Like, who finally, what man kind of started speaking into your life? Yeah, and so actually very directly, I actually still text this guy and tell him Happy Father's Day. Um, uh, my best friend growing up, his father, um, who was an uh, elder in the church, um, you know, was, was a farmer, owned, owned a, um, um, a local feed store, but he was a godly man, and, and um, he, you know, going over to their house and having dinner and then praying before the meal, I was like, well, what are we, what are we doing, you know? And, but, but his influence is really immeasurable. Um, and so, uh, yeah, fi finding that influence, seeing that on a day-to-day, -day, what it's like to walk that out, what that looks like, um, is really the, the first person that really became impactful in, in kind of my uh, Christ journey, mm -hmm. if you will. And so, uh, if I'm stuck this straight, you said even to this day, you've never met your... Biological dad. Correct. Even to this Correct. day. Even to this day. And, and there's times where, uh, you know, those moments in life where you feel like you want to pursue that, right? When you graduate high school, graduate college, get married, have your first kid, those sorts of things, um, where you kind of feel like you want to reach out to that. But for me, it's been about, um, you know, always reaching, you know, out to my mother, right? I know how much she did, how much work she put in, sacrifices. And then also reaching out to those influences that have come along in your life and reminding them of, of what, what they mean. Um, and then um, also for me now, like with all of our children stuff, leaning into my wife and letting her know, you know how um, influential she's been to my journey. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. And that's really good because he, he saw there was a, his friend's dad had an impact on him, and he didn't even know at the time what he was going on in life. So that, that's what I'm talking about. Like, even if your kids are at a home or, or if, if your friends or your kids have, you know, friends who don't have a dad, and this is a great opportunity to figure out how can I just be a good, positive uh, male role model in their life because every kid needs that. They need it somehow in their life. Yeah, and to piggyback on that, it wasn't one of those where he, he brought me in and directly mentored me on like, here's some verses you need to read or some books of the Bible you need to dive into. It was just, he lived his life. And I just 
saw it, I observed it. We, this came to my mind real quick for jumping in. We had a guy one time coming through here and he was a truck driver and 64 was one way that he can't, he stopped. So he pulls in the parking lot, ask if you mind if we park here because you had to stay down so many hours, you got to rest. And we say, sure, man, come. And he sit right here on the front row and cowboy hat, cow, you know, cowboy boots on. And man, he's like jacked up like Brad right here is. He's like swollen. And he's sitting there and, and I was like, man, this guy was just losing it, man. And I saw his Bible and his Bible was just like tore all the pieces. And I'm like, security. <laughs> you know, like, like what in the world this guy's going? And uh, he comes in and, 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 and uh, DJ Bushman, he was a security guard that day over watching him. And so he comes up to me and says, man, he said, I'm so-and-so, I'm coming through here Thank you for letting me park my truck. And, and I was like, man, that's awesome. I heard his story. He said the same thing. He's 40, this guy was 40 years old, I think, 42. I never met my dad. I don't even know who my dad is. And uh, I said, anything we can pray for you about before he leaves? He said, man, just pray that somehow if God ever wants that to happen, that we would, we would just find out who that is. And I said, okay, a year later, he shows back up, passing through a truck driver on 64, heading back out west, and he comes to worship. He said, man, you won't believe this. You guys prayed for me. And right after you pray for me, my father found me, my dad found me, made connection. He was in Israel, his dad was, and he said, I didn't even meet him, and somehow we connected right here, and he said, it's because you guys prayed for me for meet my dad, and I finally got to meet him, and I never saw that guy again. So if you're watching, bro, welcome back to Kentucky, man. Come on back, truck driving through, so. And if you're traveling around, stop. We'd love to have you at Bear Life Church and pray for you. I don't know what kind of miracle happened in your life, but anyway, we'd love for you to come be part. So, Eddie, your same sign of story, man, about your dad and stuff. Share a little bit about that you were sharing with me. Uh, See, uh, I grew up in Clark County. My mother was uh, 15 years old uh, when she had me. Um, I was raised by uh, my grandparents. They were uh, uh, sharecroppers on a small farm in Clark County, so my, my grandfather wanted uh, my mother to go back to school. She was a freshman in high school, so my grandparents raised me. And, um, you know, during that time, you know, the most important thing uh, to my grandfather was uh, growing up, working, you know, uh, earning a living. Uh, as I moved into my teen years, I started bouncing around uh, living with my mother some, uh, living with my aunt, uh, bouncing around from Kentucky to Florida to Texas, and then back to Kentucky. So uh, met my father one time when I was age 13, never had a relationship with him, and uh, pretty much been on my own since I was 13. I've had a job uh, since I was 13, paid my own way. Uh, if I stay with my grandparents, I'd give my grandparents uh, you know, money to mm -hmm. give a church. So really, as far as, uh, you know, uh, a father figure in my life, it wasn't until I met Robin and her dad. Mm. You know, you were telling about that, that uh, Eddie, like a lot of people, was raised up really, really, really poor and didn't have indoor water and things like that. And he was saying, and Robin would come over and at your grandparents and we had an outhouse for your young people. That is like a little building outside with yeah. no running water. It's yeah, porta potty, but way more money. It's in the 1900s, okay, you understand. And so he said, and Robin would come and didn't bother her to come over and, and hang out with you. Uh, yeah, my uh, friends would, uh, they would say, no, you're actually gonna have your girlfriend come out to your grandparents with uh, no inside water, no inside plumbing. So, you know, I just tell Robin, I said, there's the chicken house, the little white building beside it is a three-seater. Have your pick. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and she goes, I love this man, right? I mean, <laughs> way to go, way to go, Robin. And so if you ever have any marital problems, that's who you go to. If they can work that all out, man, I'm telling you, they got a lot of, 
a lot of great things you know, coming through. You know, early on, though, one of the toughest things was, you know, we started having children young. And we were, uh, Robin was 17, a senior in high school. I was 19 years old. He is uh, just, uh, you know, man, we grew up with our kids. We was trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, we just didn't have a clue. And, uh, you, know, the big, you know, I think we had uh, took up housekeeping uh, in 78, had our first son in 79. And, uh, you know, going to the grocery store, paying rent $80 a month, trying to figure out how can I save. So our landlord said, if you help me cut firewood, I'll knock $10 a month off your rent. And we're like, yes. And, uh, you know, going to the grocery, buying formula and uh, putting stuff back, as you seen the cash register tally up, because we had $23, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but, uh, you know, God always provided for us and, uh, you know, seen us through the hard times. Like you know, I'm reminded, Eddie, your story. In 2009, we uh, had Dave Ramsey. He recorded some sermons for us, and, and we showed three weeks of Dave Ramsey, and I remember that. You, you came to me and you said, man, you know what, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna try to see if this works. And you, you and Robin paid off like several thousand dollars of debt, just like, ma'am, just like that, like really quickly. Yeah, it was. Uh, it had a big impact on our life. That was uh, one of the biggest things I had trouble with, and you know, as a dad, and uh, just as a couple and stuff, was uh, I had a problem with turning everything over to God, because I felt like with my finances, I could handle that better than anybody, and I couldn't, man, I was making a mess of it, but you know, once you turn everything over to God and let God work through you, uh, you know, think things are the best. Yeah. You know, a lot of times, um, of course, my wife and I, we went through a miscarriage. I know Josh, you showed that just in a moment, and it was in between uh, Caleb and Logan. And um, a lot of parents struggle with infertility, and they struggle um, wanting children, but can't have children. Is it time? And then what's my options? What I'll do next when I can't? And a lot of times we hear from the mom side of that, and they share about their story. And, but from a dad's side, when the dad goes through that, trying, you know, seeing their wife, being there for them, but also wanting to be a dad. And I know that's part of your journey and your story, Brad, that you and Ashley walked through struggling with infertility and uh, trying to do everything you can. And finally, the Lord comes through and says, so once you share that, because I know a lot of people are still struggling with, how, what's my next steps? You know, questioning God, where are you? You know, I want to be the best parent I can be. And God, how come you haven't come through? Why are you not letting us have children? Uh, but just share your journey through that with us. Yeah, so I think one of the things that, that really resonated is nothing is promised. You know, when you're young and you're thinking about, okay, and I, I did this when I was younger, okay, I'm gonna be graduated by this time, I'm gonna be married by this time, I'm gonna have kids by this time. You think there's a, a plan and you have a schedule and everything's gonna work out accordingly and having kids is a given. You're not gonna struggle with that. You know, you're healthy, you, you eat right, you exercise, you know, whatever. And that wasn't the case. Um, and so... We'd been married for, you know, three or four years, and we're like, okay, well, we're now ready to start trying. And nothing happened. Year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, four years go by. The grand, you know, the, 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 my parents, the grandparents-to-be would be like, uh, what are you guys doing? What, when are you going to have any grandkids? And, and it's just all not happening. And, and so it was many years in, and we thought, okay, well, we got to go get some help because this is not happening like we thought. And so... She goes to the doctor, I go to the doctor, we're trying to figure this out, uh, start doing the IUI, which is the first step, it's the less expensive procedure. We go through three of those, nothing. Uh, then we do an IVF, the more expensive, uh, nothing. 
And at that point, we're, we're five hours from here. That's when I, my job took me to Western Kentucky. We're living down there. Um, and that's, that's a big part of the story too, because had we had children down there, got no family down there, no support system, nothing. So then we go see another doctor. Then my job brings me back here. So we didn't even do anything with that second doctor. Come back here, go see a third doctor. Um, then we had gone through at that point, I guess, four. Then we go through uh, five, six, and seven, IVF, nothing. And so now we're like, what, well, I mean, maybe 10 years in to trying and nothing. Uh, unlike Eddie, so we're, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 40 by this time. And, um, you know, she, my wife is, is, is younger than I am, so it's still not really concerning as far as age goes, but, you know, the time, the process. But now we're back here. So then we get to that point, and, and it's always like, when do you make a decision to do one or the other? Do I adopt? Do I try it another time? So I was very fortunate. The job that I got had coverage mm. for IVF. So not 100%, but some coverage. I mean, this is extremely expensive. And I know we don't have time to get on to the IVF, but that's a, that's a pretty, I mean, it's a tough procedure. For I know her, for Ashley, because we kept praying over and over and over for God to do something great in her yes. life. And that's, it's tough for her to go through. There is. It's physically tough. It's emotionally tough. We had a miscarriage. So I was at a meeting, uh, found out we're pregnant. I'm like in the bathroom saying, you know, you're going to be a dad. Looking in the mirror, you're going to be a dad. I'm really jacked up and excited. The next time I go to the doctor, there's no heartbeat. Mm. And so after seven, you know, seven or eight trials, whatever, and they tell you no. But my mindset was always like, you know, Job, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh, blessed be the name of the Lord. If he wants me to have, I'll have. If he doesn't want me to have, then. So we came to the point of after the seventh failure, all right, Lord, what do you want to do? And we prayed about it. We got insight. You know, we always seek counsel from godly individuals. And uh, we tried one more time. She got comfortable with it. It's her body. I, I, you know, we, we got together on the decision, but she had really struggled, a lot, a lot of adverse events and stuff, but one more time. And on the eighth try, which you highlighted was eighth is new beginnings. <laughs> That's right. On the eighth try, we had our boys. So we put in two, two came out. And, um, and they're wonderful, man. They're, 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 awesome. they're a handful. Yeah, I mean, yeah. parenting is... is you're, it, I'm, uh, I'm in my mid-40s, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, there is no, that book right there on the table is the, is the guidebook. That's the holy, the, that's the Bible, Bible, by the way. <laughs> the Bible like, what is, book is over there? What do they put on The Bible is, is your guidebook, and I was just reading scripture this morning, you know, about uh, parenting. If he's our heavenly father, maybe I should parent more like my heavenly father in his mindset, um, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother discussion, but it, it was extremely uh, tough. We had one more embryo. We tried again, did not work, mm. but he allowed us to get back here where we had a support system. We were surrounded by family, by friends, by our church. Um, I, I feel like that was a part of the delay. It was a process. We learned that time in Western Kentucky. We always go back to it, that it was, it was a really a refining time for us um, so that we would be maybe more apt to handle what we is yet to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're very thankful, but it was, a, it was extremely, and so from a father's pr perspective, I couldn't do anything. You know, it was up to him, mm -hmm. and I just needed to be supportive um, and, uh, and really just focus on getting in the word and, and turning it over to him. Because to your point, Eddie, uh, when you tried to handle it, you know, it didn't work out so well, whether you, we turned it over. So it doesn't matter if it's finances, if it's infertility, if it's your job, if you'll turn it over to him and relinquish that, 
it's going to go a lot better than if you didn't. You know, and a lot of times people will say things like in those situations, like, well, all things work according to God's purpose for those who do stuff. And that's true. It's just not the right time to say it. It's to people's lives. Now you look back and you see that. Like that verse like that, and you can understand how God's hand was in and coming back home. Uh, And your story, Justin, is a little similar like that. Share a little bit. Yeah, and so um, Morgan and I, my wife and I, we had um, our two boys, you know, like I said, they're 13 and 8 now, and... um, you know, I went through a career change and, and all this stuff and, and uh, life was really good and settled and we had like this, this plan, right? As you say, we had this plan and, and then we decided, you know what? Maybe, maybe God wants us to have one more. Maybe God wants us to have one more. And so, um, sure enough, we, uh, Morgan's pregnant and, and we're like, okay, all right, we're approaching 40 and uh, we're like, okay, we're, we're good. And so, um, nine weeks in, she calls me from work crying. And um, she had had a miscarriage at work. And now, given my medical background, my understanding, she was nine weeks in, I was composed, I got it. Like, okay, I know the statistics, I know what happens. It hurts, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've lost a plan that you thought God had for you. The very next month, I learned what a rainbow baby is, right? And so Morgan is pregnant again the next month. And pregnancy is going pretty well, honestly. She, she her, you know, handled it really well, not a lot of complications, everything's really fine. And um, she, she tells me, hey, we had one of the little ultrasound things where you can do the Doppler, you can hear the heartbeat. And she was like, hey, I'm really struggling to hear the heartbeat. You know, I, I can't find it. I was like, it's fine, you know, it's early in the pregnancy, the baby's really small and low and it's hard to hear, you know. Next day, she's like, Josh, I still can't hear it. Can, can you, will you try? And I was like, um, sure, you know, I'll try. So um, I'm trying. I tried for probably 20 minutes, can't find it. And I was like, okay, now I'm a little worried, but I'm like, it's, it's probably okay, don't worry. Day three, she's like, I, I need an ultrasound. I need to know, can you, can you, can you do this? And so I'll never forget, uh, ordered the ultrasound. She goes the next day, gets the ultrasound. I'm actually at my mom's house. She lives in uh, Winchester, Clark County, and I'm, I'm there with her and... Um, a friend of ours was the ultrasound tech, and or a friend of ours had gone with Morgan because I wasn't able to, and she called, crying. She said, "Josh, Morgan needs you," and I knew immediately, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like a forty-five minute drive, and um, I, I, I read this somewhere, and it's really stuck with me. And uh, one thing I read was, "Motherhood begins at conception; fatherhood begins at birth." I can assure you mm-hmm. that is wrong, um, because that forty-five minute drive. Um, <laughs> it was a struggle for me and God, I'll say the least. Um, she was 19 weeks, and so uh, much further along, um, mm-hmm. and it was difficult, right? Why would you do this to us? Why would you, you know, give us this promise and then strip it away? Mm-hmm. Like we didn't understand, you know, I, I didn't get it. And um, so it was difficult, right? Very difficult. And so because of how far along she was, she had to go through a whole delivery process, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so... That night we're at the hospital in Lexington. She, you know, we go through all that and, and we decided that we just wanted it to be she and I. We, you know, we didn't need family there and stuff. And, and um, it was a really intimate moment between us and sharing, you know, what's God's plan for us. And um, so it was several <laughs> months later. Um, but, you know, looking back, recollecting at where we're at, we had, um, when I went back to school, we had sold our house. We were renting places. We were in, you know, uh, at the time, we're living in a two-bedroom trailer. And 
So if we had had, a th our boys are already bunking, right? So if we'd had a third child in that moment, what are we doing, right? Where, what's the plan? It's gonna be tough. And so um, we're in the process of building our home and we find out that Morgan's pregnant with Mary. And so the timing was impeccable, right? Mm -hmm. So now we have enough bedrooms for everybody to have their own space <laughs> and, and stuff. But, but um, I would be lying with you if I didn't say that that was a very difficult time for me and my faith. And, and um, you know, um, where, where are God and I going from here, right? And so it's one of those you have to really... I mean, it took weeks, you know, of, of prayer and, and finally just saying, let's turn it over to God. If, if he wants this for us, it'll happen. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't, then we're okay, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so kind of turning over your, um, your family's, you know, future plans, that sort of thing to God was, was difficult. And, and at the time, he and I were unsettled. And so I wasn't, you know, and so, um, but we're, we're complete, absolutely, utterly blessed with our home, our three children, everything. And so it does happen on God's timing and it is difficult. You're right, in that time, I, I, I couldn't look at my wife after going through a, a delivery of a child we know we lost and say, it's in God's plan, honey, mm -hmm. it's fine, right? That's the time it would be poor. And so, um, so you're right, it was, it was tough, um, but uh, you know, again, turned it over to Christ and um, he, um, as always, was, uh, you know, um, um, devoted and obedient and, and we tried our best to, to reciprocate and, and um, you know, he's blessed us with a little girl. You know, we, uh, we, I believe that life starts at conception and Liam was like 14 weeks into the process and, um, and so it was between Caleb and, and Logan and I tell our kids that, hey, you have a baby bro brother or sister in heaven. Like, I, I, we don't know till you get there. And I said, but if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have Logan. And Logan says, every family needs a Logan. You know, so he's like, I'm so glad we have Logan. So, you know, you never know how the Lord works with that. And, and I know you have four grandkids and praying right now for another one for an adoption. So share a little bit about that. Is it Carrie? Right, Carrie's yes, Carrie. Yeah. Yes, Carrie. Uh, yes. You know, uh, Carrie's uh, and Dave, uh, they live in Louisville. And, uh, you know, they went through the IVF processes several times, uh, didn't work. And, you know, I just always, uh, I kept telling them, I said, God has a plan for you. Uh, Carrie and Dave are active in Southeast in Louisville. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they had, uh, you know, with the COVID, they had been out of, uh, they had been out of church for about a year as far as going to end service. And all of a sudden they said, hey, it's time to go back. They go back and there's a, uh, they're preaching uh, a story about adoption, you know, just like a coincidence. And uh, so I told Carrie and him, I said, maybe you need to walk that out, look at that. And, uh, you know, as a family, the good thing about, I, I can say about our family and our children is, uh, you know, uh, we've been blessed. Uh, uh, all of our children have God in their life. They all have a relationship with Jesus and uh, a lot of family support. Mm -hmm. So just like with this adoption, you know, it's... Uh, you know, it's going to be a great thing to have another grandbaby. Uh, you know, in our life, uh, like I told you, we had started out, um, you know, having children early. So we grew up with our children. So, you know, we have a, we have a one-year-old in diapers. The economy was bad in 1980. We, uh, so we up and took a U-Haul truck, uh, loaded our stuff up, went to West Texas, our roughneck in the oil field for two years. We come back to Kentucky. We settle in. Guess what? Son number two pops up. <laughs> so it seemed like every time we made a move and we settled back here in Kentucky. Don't move no more. Yeah, Don't Robin, move no more, Robin. Yeah, Robin That's was a sign. another baby. You know, so we, 
So, you know, the uh, you know, economy was tough back then. There just wasn't a lot of work, a lot of jobs. So uh, we came back, had the two sons. Uh, I started uh, doing uh, construction work, traveling up and down the East Coast from Virginia to New Hampshire, uh, sometimes gone 10 months out of the year. Done that for three years, seen a videotape of my son starting to play T-ball. I was done. You know, I said, it's over, I'm going back home. So I go back home, settle in, find a job in construction. Guess what? Seven years later, Carrie. Here comes Carrie. So, you know, it's, uh, we were blessed. You know, I think, uh, you know, God had a plan for us, and it was uh, to have children and have several children. And, uh, you know, we were grandparents. Uh, Robin was a grandmother in her 30s. I was a grandfather at age 40. Mm. So, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, just to see, um, you know, just to see God, you know, working through our children, working through our family, you know, that we're, we're just so blessed to, uh, to have that family strength, mm -hmm. that, that unit. And, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't always easy, you know, it was hard times and, and uh, stuff, but uh, we've gone through it. And one, one thing I do want to hit on and you know it's it's kind of a part of an extended family. The uh, the importance you know of going to church here, belonging to somebody when you're big, you got to go small. Uh, our small group, uh, man, just mm -hmm. it's just everything does, and they are intertwined with our family. Hey, your group is like our man, crazy, man. Like your oh, your, yeah. your small group, like y'all go on vacation together, you build homes, y'all move in with each other. Like I mean, you guys are just like if, yeah. if there is a group that's like is an example how to how to live do life together man you guys out of all the bear life church groups you guys are unbelievable yeah we uh i mean we we just uh we support each other we cry we love on each other uh you know i've had my brothers uh in the group tell me says you know in some difficult times that i've had say man you you just need to get out of the way and let god work through you and mm -hmm. walk through those doors that he has for you and but, uh, you know, they're everything to us, and they just become a part of our family, and they're involved in our children's lives. Mm -hmm. so. You know, um, I hope you're seeing, especially guys today, you know, it's not really where you come from. It's what you've learned in the process, and what are you going to do today? None of us can change our past. You can't go back and change it. You can't go back and make up for it. But what can you do today? And um, I highly respect these men in my life, uh, and, and they love Jesus. They love the church. They love their families. They're, they're great dads. They're gonna do everything they can to be the best dads they can be, and that's why I wanted them to share into your life. But real quick, if you take just like 20, 30 seconds, what would you share? What would you wanna leave everybody with when it challenged any of the dads watching at all of our campuses and online? What, what's the challenge you would share with them? Well, I mean, I think a couple things. It's start now, do the best you can to live according to God's word and be the servant, servant leader for your family. So let them see you live this out. You don't have to be perfect but you, you need to try, you need to be honest with it, and then remain faithful. You heard in all these situations, there was uncertainty. It would be easy for you to say, I'm through with this, I'm not going back to church, God has not been faithful. We can't see behind the curtain, and you just have to be faithful. All of these situations, it may not have been the result we wanted or we planned for, but it was still, you know, it was God's way, mm -hmm. and it was in his timing, so just be faithful. Awesome, Josh? Yeah. And so uh, for me, I, uh, you know, it's um, a challenge to myself 
and to other dads. I know a lot of fathers, a lot of men want to kind of do things in private. You know, we read our Bible early in the morning, late at night. We say prayer early in the morning, late at night. And I would encourage you to demonstrate your faith to your family. Mm, um, demonstrate that for your children. And again, that's a challenge for me to do that as well, right? To, uh, to share what you're reading with your kids. Share that time with them. Pray with them. Um, such that, you're, and you've talked about this, your presence is, is so important and so critical, and we can talk about that all day, the presence of a father, but be the example, be the demonstrator, be that servant leader. Yeah. Eddie? Uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, put God first in everything. Make sure that God's in the center of anything that you're trying to do in your life, you know. It's, and, and, you know, I use this example to coworkers, people that I meet, you know, learn the separation, put God first, family second, and your job third, and, and the sooner in your life you can get things in that order, the better served that you're gonna be. But uh, I just challenge, uh, you know, I'd like to challenge all men here. You know, there, there's uh, probably some young people around you. They might not be, uh, you know, might not be your children, but they're looking for that father figure. They're looking for somebody to look up to. Amen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, uh, challenge you to seek those situations and and uh, and you know breathe into those conversations. Well, guys, come on, can we get up for these guys? Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. You can make your way off. And real quick here, as we come to a close, and again, I'm so thankful for these men in my life and their friendship, and and hopefully that uh, guys, especially for those who are aspiring to be a dad, those who are a dad, or as Eddie, he's a dad and a grand parent as well. You never stop parenting. And I just want to, I want to leave you real quick with, with this um, before we hand over to hosts and our campus pastors, is that uh, you will not believe the people that when it comes to counseling situation that are, that have dad issues, female and male, they had a dad issue. And, and I just want to encourage you as men, it's never too late, but for those of you who may have had an absent dad or a hard dad in your life or whatever it may be, um, if you don't get to the point where you can surrender and forgive them, you are gonna harbor bitterness and anger and resentment and you're gonna pass that on in your actions and attitude to the people around you. Like I said, my mom and dad got divorced, I was four years old. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 20. At age 21, I sat down with my dad in Pikeville, Kentucky at Applebee's. We were exchanging Christmas gifts. It was 22 years ago, and I looked at him, and I said, Dad, not one time that I'm aware of if you ever asked me to forgive you for not being there, for not coming to my games, for not being in my life, because I saw my dad maybe once a year, sometimes once every two years. And here's what I said, I said, but dad, you don't have to ask me to forgive you. I forgive you. Why hold a debt over your head that you can never repay? And then I said, if God can forgive me of everything I've ever done in my life, how can I not forgive you? And I forgave him. And that was a turning point 22 years ago in our relationship. Some of you, like Josh said, you might not even know who your dad is, never seen him. Maybe you never talked to him. Forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is for you. 
and you, and maybe you're not just a guy here, maybe it's you as a daughter, you need to forgive. And if you do, then God begins to do that heart surgery in your life, guess what, so you don't become a bitter, resentful person. And so maybe one of the steps today in your life or the next step is you need to forgive someone who may have been absent or not there or you don't even know. Because here's what I know, you're not a mistake. You can't pick your family. God does that. And there's a reason. I don't understand it all. I can't, I can't explain it all. I just trust him. And so maybe for you, that's what you need to hear today. So I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head just for a moment. As you reflect on what these guys said to you, Open your heart and let the Holy Spirit speak. Being a dad's tough. Trying to balance family life and work and, and provide for their family, man, it's tough. Listening to what the world says a man should be and climbing the ladder and how you should do it and men don't cry. Did you hear? These are some of the godliest, strongest men. And they don't care what people think. They just wanna be the best husband they can be, the best dad they can be. And as Eddie said, I'm gonna put God center first, my family, then my job. A lot of us have that backwards. We think if we work hard and give our kids presents, that that's what they need. They don't need presents, they need your presence in their life. And guess what? Today could be a new day. Today you could choose to start fresh. And so if the Lord is working in your heart and your life, I'm gonna speak to all the, all, the, all the dads especially. You can't be the dad that God called you to be or wants you to be until you surrender your life to fully to Him. And so maybe for you today, you need to surrender your life to Him. Even before, maybe you don't even be a dad yet, before you become a dad, to surrender your life. And so I'm gonna give you my job, I'm gonna give you my life, I'm gonna give you my finance, I'm gonna give you my marriage, I'm gonna give you my parenting. You've heard me preach this over. I'm gonna give this to you as you surrender your life to Him. And so if that's you, the greatest thing you do is give your life to Him, is to cry out to Him and say, Jesus, I believe you came for me, you died for me, that you got up out of the grave for me, and today I wanna confess my sins, and I'm gonna give my life to you. And if that's you, we wanna help you take your next step. We wanna help you be the best dad you could be. We have some resources in our next step area. We'll do whatever we can to help you. Father, thank you that you're the perfect dad. You're the perfect father. And Lord, if statistics is true, a lot of times we reflect how you are based on how our earthly father has treated us. And that is not true. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. You love us unconditionally. Your grace is new every day. You don't run from us, you run towards us. You're always with us. And I pray that the law of the enemy will be broken in this place. And that as we walk with you, that it frees our hearts up to be everything you've called us to be. Father, I can't wait to see how you're gonna use this message, these men, to speak into the generations to come, Lord. For your name we ask and we pray, amen.